Welcome to Five Cats, Two Pussies. This is Ronnie. And this is Lindsay. And this is episode 47! Yeah! Woo! (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited to do this episode today. We are going to talk about Peg Wesson, the Witch of Gloucester. 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 (laughs) Gloucester for the rest of the English-speaking world. (laughs) Gloucester for those in Massachusetts. (laughs) I can't wait to recount this story and get all of my OUs correct. It will be wonderful. So wonderful, dude. So wonderful. (laughs) But uh, before we get into our episode today, Lindsay, how was your week? Dude, it was really good. So uh, PS5 pre-sales happened, and they started a day early Ooh. than they were supposed to. But okay. I'm, I like I happened to check my email like two minutes before Best Buy sent out the notification, and I saw it. And I was like, <gasps> yes! <laughs> so I jumped on the Be- Best Buy website. Managed to get one of these babies in my cart, but the website's totally broken, so, like, nothing's going through. Like, you push the button right. to, like, go to your cart, nothing happens. And it happens. just grinds, yeah. Yeah, so I did that for a little while, and I was like, okay, I've got to try these other websites. Tried Target, sold out. Tried Walmart, sold out. Tried GameStop. The only thing they had left was a bundle, which I didn't really want, but I wasn't willing to not get the pre-sale. So What's I in the bundle? It in my cart. It came with a couple of games. It came with... A an extra controller. Oh, that's and nice. it came with a year online membership. Oh, that's actually pretty sweet. Yeah, it was pretty cool, but I didn't want to spend the money on it. Like all I wanted is the console. So but I got it and I managed to check out and I was super psyched about it. So I texted a coworker and I was like, Neener Neener dude, I got <laughs> it. And he was like, Holy shit, it wasn't supposed to be until tomorrow. So now he's on the internet trying to like get his off of Best Buy. And I was like, website's not working. And then I was like, you know what? Fuck it, dude. I'm going to try again. So I went on the Best Buy website, and for like an hour and a half, I'm clicking the buttons, trying to get there. I got it. Holy shit! Yeah, so... So you got two. I did. I saw celebrities that didn't get them. Like, professional gamer celebrities that were like, nope, trying for six and a half hours, didn't get one. (laughs) And uh, little old Lindsay got two. (laughs) I got two. And so so I was going to cancel the order for the GameStop one, but they haven't... Like, I didn't get an email confirmation yet or anything. If I put in the order number, it does show up as an actual order, but they haven't confirmed it in an email yet. They haven't taken the money off of my credit card. So I was like, well, maybe I'll see if I know anybody that wants to buy it. Probably a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. So next day I was talking to one of the guys at work and he was like, oh, I'll totally buy that off of you. Oh, and I was sweet. like, oh, awesome. Cool. Nice. Yeah. That's that's great. Well, I'm really glad you got that because I know uh, if you've been following along with the podcast, <laughs> you've been very excited about the presale and about the new console. And so I am stoked for you that you got that. So excited. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, uh, I, I performed a rare feat this week. You did? In which I binged watched a TV show, <laughs> an entire two seasons of a TV show in one week. I I like binge watching TV. I'm not anti-binge watching, but I don't do it often. I'm not a big TV person, I suppose, all in all. And Engineer Dan and I watched all of Cobra Kai in two weeks. I think we watched almost all of season two last night. Wow. <laughs> and Cobra Kai never died. 
guys. <laughs> I loved the Karate Kid so much as a teen. <laughs> and yeah, uh, I, I love the show. It is everything I want it to be. And it's okay if people listening are like, ugh, that sucked. Then, like, fine, cool, not for you. <laughs> for me. <laughs> Johnny Lawrence is the best. <laughs> so I just learned from Engineer Dan that, Ronnie, you have your, like, karate sound <laughs> I do, and I'm not doing it on the air. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and in karate, nobody actually goes, hi-ya. Uh, everybody has their own guttural sound that they make. Um, it's to like tighten up your abs when you're about to hit something. Uh, and I'm sure it does many other things, but that's what I remember from my many years of karate as a teen. And yeah, so m- my noise is key. As opposed to hi uh, but I'm not doing it on the air uh, because it would blow all of the levels. So that's fine. Uh, but yes, I, I was in karate for many, many years. I started when I was uh, 13 and got my black belt when I was 17 as the uh, youngest person to get their black belt in Nova Scotia. Wow, At that, dude. At that point in time. I'm sure somebody since then has done that. But in my particular style, I was the youngest black belt in Nova Scotia. I bet that's why you're such a scary-ass LARP fighter. <laughs> Maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> I was a scary-ass karate fighter when, yeah, dude, when, you're when a, I was well, in it. <laughs> I haven't seen you do karate, but I have fought you in LARP, and you're a scary-ass <laughs> LARP fighter. Woo-hoo. So, yeah, Cobra Kai is bringing back all the feels, and I love it. <laughs> So, I don't know, listeners, uh, if you had something that you accomplished this week, big, small, or otherwise, maybe you got a console, maybe you were dying to get a console and you want to, like, share your woes of how you spent eight hours clicking uh, the <laughs> the shopping button on some website, or uh, maybe you also enjoyed Cobra Kai, or you've got something that you want to suggest that we binge watch, or a game we want us to try and comment on, I don't know, we're not a media podcast, clearly, but we like suggestions and we like hearing from you. That's the most important thing. So drop us a line at 5C2PPod at Gmail, or you can DM us at 5C2PPod on Instagram. Yeah, dude, totally. Sweet. I have one new update on the cat front before we jump into our topic of the day. Yeah, this is a big one. What happened? So it's early morning, and I'm sitting on the toilet. Mid number push. one or number two? Number two, mid push. <laughs> and I hear from the bedroom, Engineer Dan, going, help, oh help. My. Oh, no. And, and the first, like, help, I was like, ah, the, the cat sitting on his head or something silly. And then the second help was a little bit more forceful. And I was like, oh, shit, something's actually wrong. And I'm, all, like, indisposed. <laughs> <laughs> so I, like, hustle my business and, like, duck around the corner to see that Kenway is snugged into Dan's armpit where Kenway likes to sleep. And next to him on the bed in my warm, cozy blankets is Django. Oh, Django willingly hopped up on the bed with Dan in it and then whacked Dan on the head. (laughs) (laughs) He did not go key or anything like that. (laughs) Cat (laughs) Roddy. I feel like the engineer Dan said that he like probably was trying to hit Kenway, like bop Kenway on the head and missed and hit Dan. I think uh, Django was like doing a like, 
are you alive? Are you gonna move? Like, like a scared <laughs> kid poking like a a like stuffed mannequin on Halloween kind of thing. Be like, I know you're. I'm not scared. I know you're real. Bop bop. <laughs> it was just like, are you gonna turn over or not? <laughs> and yeah, so that's that's new. He has never done that before. He's never willingly come up on the bed. And like stayed. He's come up on the bed when it was all three cats, but only to like get a head lick from Nimbus and then immediately jump down. And yeah, he just hung out on the bed with Kenway and Engineer Dan for a while. Oh, I'm so glad he's starting to get so much more comfortable. <laughs> but I, I like that he whapped Dan. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> Guess what? I remembered. Uh, just now I remembered it <laughs> great because as soon as you said guess what I remembered I also went oh right <laughs> our ritual candle <laughs> okay so we're still burning a beautiful actual ritual candle from Besom which you can check out on Etsy and we'll just give that a little light one of these days, I'm going to open up this matchbox, and the matches are just going to comically go everywhere. <laughs> I can feel it. I'm surprised that it hasn't happened yet, to be honest. Who knew it would be hard to light a candle on a breezy back porch? Who knew? <laughs> well, it is gorgeous and going, <laughs> and we are thankful for it. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll take a short break and come right on back to share with you the story of the Witch of Gloucester. Totally. We'll see you super soon, witches. Welcome back. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> so on our little break, we've uh, we've picked up an airplane. You may or may not be able to hear it in the background. Congratulations, Matt and Brittany. Your airplane fucking sucks. Yeah, it really does. It's one of those like little circling like streamer planes. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really uh it's really something. <laughs> it really is. Now everybody sees Matthew Hart Brittany. Yeah, Matt's got an airplane guy, apparently. Fucking fantastic. Uh. His dad owns a car dealership in town. <laughs> Great. Here's, you're, hey, are you having a peaceful Saturday? Here's an airplane circling your neighborhood for five hours. <laughs> Uh, awesome. <laughs> well, we wish them well. <laughs> Begrudgingly. <laughs> okay, so what we want to talk about today is Peg Wesson, dubbed the Witch of Gloucester. And I'm going to continue to say Gloucester and Gloucester, and much like this plane, you can suck it. <laughs> but uh, we actually pulled our resources from... Uh, for this particular story today from a couple of key um, articles. And there's not a lot out there on this particular witch. And a lot of the materials that are out there are pulled from these two resources. So we figured let's just go right to the source. So the first one is a story by Sarah G. Daly in the Boston Evening Transcript of the date of Octi uh, October, yeah, <laughs> October, <laughs> October 14th, 1892. 
And the second one is in a longer sort of special called The Broomstick Trail by Sarah Comstock in Harper's Magazine, Volume 140, from December 1919. And they, these two stories are very much aligned. Um, Sarah Daly's has a little more fluff, is a little bit... Uh, is a little bit nicer written, in my opinion. I agree. <laughs> it tells it tells it a little bit more like a story, which I love. Uh, but these are the two main sources, and we're going to also sort of set the table for you because there's a couple of locations in this story, and I think it's important to you know understand a little bit about the time period. And Gloucester is one location. Lewisburg in Nova Scotia, Canada, is the second, and sort of what happening there like why are these places important uh, because this story really focuses on peg and not on anything else that's going around uh, at that particular time so if you were into folklore hauntings spooky shit here in massachusetts you may be familiar with gloucester and uh, i think it is best known for a particular area called dogtown which is another story for another day that's a <laughs> whole other thing and the reason I mention it is because often Peg Wesson is said to um, have come from Dogtown, and that's incorrect. She's often lumped into the witches of Dogtown, but she actually never lived in Dogtown uh, and lived in Gloucester. So we like to dis distinguish those differences. And in terms of like spooky stuff here in the, the Boston area, uh, Salem and Gloucester are actually pretty close together. So they're a 30-minute drive apart now, but Salem was even bigger, like also comprised like Beverly and Peabody and places like that that were all around it um, at the time of this particular story. So they were actually pretty closely neighbors. And if you're a witch in Salem and you're a witch in Gloucester, like it's you're basically next-door neighbors. And so the whole area basically was witchy and spooky. Ronnie, I got to sneak this in real quick. Sure. In, in for the locals, it's Peabody. It is Peabody. You guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, just telling you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> if I can ignore an airplane, I can ignore the way things are pronounced. <laughs> um. The other thing I want to mention about the area is Gloucester is on Cape Ann. And Cape Ann is really famous for um, the amount of pirate activity here in the New England area, as well as uh, shipwrecks and haunted lighthouses. And you like you name it, it's spooky. So <laughs> um, it's, a, it's an old area, and old areas have shit like this. So that's one side of the, the story. Now, the other side is a Lewisburg which is essentially a big fort. It was a sort of fort and town, as they often were in those times. But it's a big fort in what is now known as Cape Breton. But at the time of this particular story, uh, it was owned by France. This is before, uh, before Canada was a country, when it was French versus English. And this is part of, uh, a pinnacle of, the Third War of Four. So... Uh, about three quarters of the way through all of the wars uh, between Canada and, or sorry, between Britain and France, specifically in Canada. And the reason that I mention this is it was a pretty big impact on Gloucester on like who owned that particular piece of land and who owned that fort because what it meant was France owned all of what is currently Cape Breton. 
And that then transferred into they owned the main port in and out of Nova Scotia at that time. And they also owned the fishing banks around that area, which were incredibly prosperous uh, at that time. And even still today, fishermen from Gloucester as well as Nova Scotia all fish together on the Grand Banks. And that's part of what like really uh, set this off for folks of Gloucester and being like wanting to be involved and giving a shit in this war besides just they were British citizens at the time was like this, this matters. This is our livelihood and and screw those guys for you know trying to prohibit us from fishing in that area and of course, those guys being the folks in the French folks in Lewisburg were like, Mm-mm, our land, our fish. <laughs> so you can see where that goes. But we wanted to just sort of set that stage because these stories surround those areas. And I like the history that sort of goes into it in the backgrounds because these are real people from a real place that, you know, are... Uh, are going places, you know, in this particular upcoming tale. And there is some historical relevancy here. So that's that's the table that we have set. <laughs> <laughs> that is my, uh, my enthusiasm for my high school history classes <laughs> that were all about Lewisburg. <laughs> so without further ado, the story of Peg Wesson, the Witch of Gloucester. Here we go. So it's like March in the year 1775. 1745. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 1745. <laughs> and these dudes who are like joining the, the company to head to Lewisburg are still the following day and these three dudes in particular martin sanders job ayers and tom goodwin are walking down this path they're they're walking they're like joking around with each other they're doing whatever dudes do when they walk down a path together and they're heading towards a cabin so they get to the cabin and they knock on this door and who comes to the door but this old woman, this wrinkled, withered old woman. She opens the door, and upon looking in the door, these guys see it's it's dimly lit by candlelight. There's herbs hanging from the ceiling. There's a bunch of, like, old pewter plates scattered around, some some more earthenware on a shelf in the corner. There's wooden chairs. And there's a pack of worn, greasy cards just flung down on a table. So this old lady's like, what the hell do you want? Why are you here? Get going. I want none of this. And the tallest of the three, this dude, Marty, Marty Sanders, he's like, come on, Peggy. He's like, we're heading off to war tomorrow. We just wanted to say goodbye and like maybe get our fortunes told from you. And she's like, Martin Sanders, get the hell out of here. I know you don't have anything to pay pay me with. And old Marty's like, no, I totally do. And he flashes this shiny silver sixpence. And he's like, and Tom and Job also have monies too. So let's do it. <laughs> so 
So Peg agrees. Her her biggest argument was you don't have the money, and they showed her that they did. So she says, "Fine, I will. I will tell your fortunes. You're about to go to war tomorrow. Fine." And she invites them in, and does just that. She sits them down as you do one at a time, and tells their fortunes with those greasy old cards. She starts with Job Ayers, and then she tells the fortune of Tom Goodwin, and. As she gets to the last, Martin Sanders, good old Job and Tom are standing by the door, just sort of waiting, listening for what their what the last fortune of the day will be, and they can't contain themselves. They're snickering, they're giggling, you know, they're they're clearly trying to contain themselves, but doing a terrible job of it. And M- Marty, sitting at the table across from Peggy, is incredibly straight laced. He's keeping it together, very composed, very serious. And he passes his silver sixpence to Peggy, who kind of feels like something's going on. (laughs) She's like, this is really suspicious. You are overly stern, Marty. And Job and Tom, like, the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. Stop giggling. (laughs) So she takes this coin. She sort of rolls it around in her hand for a second. And then she clinks it on a candlestick to see what sort of noise it makes and then presses it against the table, and it bends. Lo and behold, it's lead. It's not silver at all. And she is pissed. Uh, they, she's rendered a service. They promised to pay her, and they've tried to pull one over on old Peggy Wesson. And she kicks them out. She's, she's furious. She flies into a rage and chases them out into the street with her staff and shouts curses at them, sort of up one side, down the other, cursing them, body, mind, and spirit. And her last sort of decree as they run laughing back to the center of town is, I will have vengeance upon you in Lewisburg. So the next day they wake up. They set off for Boston, and on April 1st, a hundred ships set sail from Boston to Lewisburg, and among them, Job, Tom, and Marty. So, as the fleet is entering the harbor at Lewisburg, the all of the dudes, they notice this, like, solitary crow is circling above the ships. Marty Sanders is sent to help in furling the jib. So as he's doing this, this rope suddenly like sweeps him off of his feet and and he's he's thrown into the water. The last thing that he hears as he's going under under this rush of waves is this the screaming of a crow. He was saved from the water. It did take a while to get him out. Like it wasn't an easy task, but he he was eventually dragged out and he was pretty okay, you know, all things considering. So the fleet cast anchor and the smaller boats are like taking all of the dudes to shore but before the siege could commence all of the cannons had to be put in place. So Job and Tom are dragging this cannon through the mud with some other guys and all of a sudden a crow lands on top of the cannon. So as this happens, the cannon lurches and the back of the sledge sinks into the mud. Now Job throws out his hand, just like instinct, trying to get it to stop or whatever. And this arm that he flings out ends up getting caught between 
the cannon and the sledge and it gets totally crushed. So they rush him back to camp and it, the arm ends up having to be amputated. Which is interesting because I did a little digging in some historical records on the Lewisburg side of things. And there is one historical account of a, a soldier with the last name of Ayers returning from Lewisburg to Massachusetts uh, or Massachusetts Bay. And he returned with only one arm. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> so maybe that really did happen. Yeah, That's crazy. It absolutely could have been Joe. Could have been a lot of other guys. Could have been, yeah. Could have been Joe. Crazy. So the British forces, uh, with our three fellows among them, set siege to Lewisburg. Now, Lewisburg is a fort easily defended by uh, the water side, but less easily defended from the land where all of this boggy cannon nonsense is happening. But they they set siege and attempt to starve out the French. What they didn't anticipate is that they would also have to feed themselves. So <laughs> they uh, they took to foraging and hunting, and it's a pretty fertile area. So they didn't have a lot of trouble finding food. But on one of these foraging expeditions, Marty and Tom are walking through the woods hunting. And as they're walking along... A crow comes and lands on a tree near them, begins cawing. Shortly thereafter, old Tom, clap, steps right into a fox trap. <gasps> now, it's unclear if this is a snare or one of those, like, pronged, like, bear trap style traps, but he got his foot real fucking stuck. Ooh. And mangled. Owie. And it took several people a very long time to get his foot free. He lost a lot of blood. This was not a good situation. Did he lose the foot too? Doesn't say anything about him losing the foot. It just, the story just shares that he loses a lot of blood and was not in a good way. But I don't know if he specifically lost his foot. I can't imagine it was very uh, well looked after in those particular <laughs> times and locations. So entirely possible. But as he's laying there, old Tom looks up at this crow who is still fucking sitting in this tree, cawing at him, almost mocking him. And he cries, it's a witch. It's Peg Wesson. <laughs> and Tom uh, is convinced of this. Marty takes one look at this crow and says, fuck you, crow. <laughs> and grabs his gun. Now, Marty is known as a pretty good shot. Uh, that's what he trained for. He's an excellent marksman. And so he shoots the crow. Except he completely misses this stationary crow who is sitting there mocking him. And he fires several more times and his group, the, the fellows that were out foraging with them, are really freaked out because Marty never misses. And he's just repeatedly missing this crow. At this point, Tom is like, oh, well, yeah, you're doing it wrong. You need, it's a witch and you need silver to kill a witch. Only silver will kill a witch. Your lead bullets won't do it. So Marty rips off a button from his coat, breaks it in half stuffs it down the barrel of his gun, and shoots the crow. And this time, hits it right in the leg. Ooh. The crow falls to the ground, and they go to retrieve it, and it's nowhere to be found. Weird. Super weird. Super weird. 
So while all of this is happening in Lewisburg, back in Gloucester, there's these like woodsmen who, you know, to go and do their woodsman work, they have to pass by Peg Wesson's cottage. And they pass by, you know, several days go by and they keep passing by and they're like, oh, you know, there's no like smoke coming out of the chimney. There's no signs of her being here. She must be off on her broomstick (laughs) or like, you know, somebody's getting hexed somewhere. Several days go by again and these woodsmen are out like cutting wood or whatever and they hear this moaning coming from like somewhere in the brush. So they go towards the sounds and what do they find but Peg Wesson laying there injured. And she's she's all kinds of pissed off. She's like cursing, whatever. And they're like, oh, we don't really want to touch her, <laughs> but she's hurt. So I guess we'll help her. Her leg's broken. So they like hoist her up and they help her back to her cottage. They get the doctor over there and the doctor's like, oh, yeah, this thing's fucked up. Like her leg is totally fractured. And as he's like checking it out, he pulls from her leg a piece of silver. Freaky. So freaky, <laughs> right? Freaky. So eventually the dudes come back from Lewisburg and they hear about this happening to Peg who, by the way, did not survive her injuries. She did end up dying from it. But as they're they're talking about it, they start comparing dates. And they're like, okay, well, all of this weird stuff happened with the crow on these dates. And this stuff with, with Peg being found and injured and dying happened on these dates. And holy shit, they're the same <laughs> dates. <laughs> So old Marty, like, pulls out his piece of silver, and he compares it with the piece of silver that the doctor pulled out of her leg. Supposedly, they match up. Perfect match. Perfect Mm -hmm. match. (laughs) (laughs) Which, needless to say, freaks the shit out of everyone. Yeah. And at the time, like, the article that we were referencing was written in the 1890s. Uh, Up to that point, Martin Sanders' family had kept both pieces of silver. Which is really cool. I hope that their family still has that or it's in a museum collection somewhere. It'd be really cool to like see or share. But yeah, I think it's also uh, it's it's really cool and and worth noting as well that supposedly this uh, this cottage that Peggy lived in was the old garrison building and uh, in Gloucester and nobody lived in it after she died. The town was so freaked out. Like, it was just sort of this unanimous town decision of, yeah, Peg Peg was a witch, and we had a witch, and let's just not fuck with that anymore. And so they just, they like, they nobody lived in that house. They did eventually uh, move the house itself to Maplewood Ave, and um, where it became a tenement building, which is basically an apartment building. So eventually somebody moved into it, but as it stood originally... Uh, it it was completely like boarded up and just ignored. Now there is a slightly different account of that that house that she lived in, in that it wasn't the old garrison building, but it was a structure near the old garrison building that eventually, because nobody lived in it, fell into ruins. Either way, like yeah, the, either way, either way, it was <laughs> a like it was a universal acceptance of the townsfolk of Gloucester that. 
Peg was a witch, that this happened. And especially because because these all three of these gentlemen had something happen. You know, one drowned, one had their almost drowned, one had their arm crushed and amputated, and one got their foot mangled in a trap. Like that's if it was just one dude and three bad things happened to him, maybe we wouldn't think so much of it. But each and every time with that damn crow, it's it's a pretty spooky tale. Yeah. Yeah. And it was all three dudes who like robbed her. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. So I love that it's a it's a beautiful piece of folklore. I think that there's lovely bits of history and like historical accuracy woven in there because that the best pieces of folklore always do. They take place with real people in real times with um, interesting supernatural witchy occurrences. But whether whether Peg was actually a crow or formed a bond with a familiar or was able to cast her spirit into another animal and get them that way uh, or hexed them or whatever might have happened. I love that she was at least a crotchety old woman that wasn't taking any of their shit. Yes, that's the (laughs) best part of it. (laughs) And I'd love to go visit the place where this cottage once stood to see if Peg's spirit's still hanging around, but at the same time, she got her vengeance, so I kind of hope she's not. I hope she's, she's chilling wherever good witches go to chill, but... Yeah, she I'm I'm so glad she got hers in the end. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope you enjoyed the the little story of Peg Wesson. There's so many other great little bits of folklore, especially here in the New England area, around specific witches. A lot of them aren't documented well. People didn't write this shit down. It was just passed along word of mouth from family to family. And every time it's retold, it's a little different and everybody adds their own flair. And that's the beauty of folklore. So some of it's cool. Some of it's clearly bullshit. (laughs) 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 But, But it's all part of the history of witchcraft and witches. And we love sharing it with you. Yeah, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Sweet. We will be right on back in just a moment. See you soon, witches. All right. Welcome back. Yeah. So... If you're listening to this uh, episode in a timely fashion, then you will already be aware that our boss lady, the queen herself, RBG, rest in peace. Rest in peace. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Total badass. I am not one who usually gets choked up over the sort of death of celebrities or legends or that sort of thing. I've got a a few that have really affected me. And I have to say, this is one of those moments where it's like, wow, a true legend, a true hero has has left us. And that fucking sucks. It really does. But at the same time, she did so much and fought so hard for so fucking long, right to the very end that she deserves all of our love and respect and adoration and also her time for peace. So I hope she rests well. We've got a toast to her. If you want to take a moment, if you're listening, you're somewhere you can do this, take a moment, light a candle, have a moment of silence, toast, whatever it needs to be to show your respects, pay your respects, and really like remember to Keep fighting the good fight. Hang in there. Stand up for what you believe in. Unless you're a perv, 
or a Nazi. And then you can go fuck yourself. Yeah, we don't like those. No, we don't. I'd like so. to. I'd like to do my uh, like a Ruth quote. I got. I like. She's very quotable. She I, always, is. I always loved the way that she used words. So I would say uh, to quote Ruth, "I ask no favor for my sex. All I ask of our brethren is that they take their feet off our necks." I love that one. That's a good one. I get chills. <laughs> <laughs> to you, Ruth. To Ruth. Cheersies. That's it for this week. Hang in there. We'll see you soon. Totally.